Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Uh, for some reason, feels like we haven't done this forever. We took one week off. Oh, it's become such a normal part of life to just sit and record these things that it's like <laughs> when you miss a week, it's like, well, what am I going to do with my day off? I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, weirdly, both of my podcasts got canceled last week. Double, which, double time. Which is fine. I had to like catch up on a bunch of articles and shit anyway, but it was rather weird because then uh, I didn't really talk to many people last week. Yep. So I just suddenly was starting to feel like, oh shit, like I haven't had any human contact in a while. There are, yeah, there are um, times when we're recording this podcast and you guys are the first people I've spoken to that day. So it's like, <laughs> if it gets canceled, it's like, all right, that's it. That's nobody then. <laughs> that, can't, that can't be healthy. Yeah, well. Um, so what's going on? How's everybody's week? I mean, I don't have to ask Noah. I know Noah's had a shitty couple of weeks, not, but. Not great. Uh, dealing with like a nightmare situation with the stepdaughter, which was terrible. Yeah, it sounds horrible. Basically, her uh, her caregivers dropped her off at a uh, hospital and then refused to pick her back up. Yeah, that's fucked. Yeah, yeah, that's real fucked. That's extremely fucked. Um. So dealt with that for about an entire week to get that taken care of. And it's like stable at the moment, but it's still not really resolved. Yeah, and, that's, that sucks. And then Saturday, and don't take this as me bashing my parents because I love my parents and they're mm-hmm. great people. But so uh, we're all on one big phone plan because it's much mm-hmm. cheaper doing it Got that it. way. Understandable. Uh, and my dad calls me Saturday morning in which I had a thing all day Sunday. So I planned Saturday was going to be my like not not do a whole bunch of stuff day. Mm-hmm. Calls me in the morning and says, hey, we've decided to switch carriers on the phone plan. So you're going to have to go down to the, you know, the phone store or whatever and get your thing switched over. And I was like, OK, that's fine. Whatever. If it's going to save money, that's that's great. And then it was like, well, which which phone thing do I need to go to? And they go, oh, it's a spectrum. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, 
I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> and my dad goes, well, you're in Chicago. Just like there's going to be one close to you. And I was like, OK. So I start looking it up. The closest one is uh, 75 miles away in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and at first I was like thinking well I guess I guess I could just you know we could just order it online or whatever and I'll just wait for it but then after thinking about it for two seconds and realizing we're still dealing with all this Anna stuff I was like fuck I can't not have a phone for three days so I got in my car and drove two and a half hours through Chicago traffic to Wisconsin and then spent an hour there getting my phone stuff switched over and then spent a less less time coming back because there was less psychotic construction. So I think it only took two hours to get back or something like that, but pretty much burnt my entire Saturday doing that. Good Lord. Yeah, and once again, I don't I don't blame anybody for it. They I just wish somebody would have thought about the fact that like they all live in Florida and I don't. Mm. <laughs> so so maybe doing the random cable company that I've never fucking heard of <laughs> might yeah. be an inconvenience. So got all, but I got all that taken care of and then like uh there's a bunch of stuff going on at work that's stressing me out and I'm like Fuck, it just doesn't end. I just need shit to go good for like a day. You know what I mean? One of those situations. Like, give me a fucking day. I'm just not something insane happening. Hmm. Spectrum. It's such a weird. Yeah. I'll tell you what. It's cheap, though. It is real cheap. Oh. Uh. Oh, yeah. Well, and so through all this process, I was like, well, fuck it. I might as well upgrade to a new phone because my phone I was using was like, you know, six and a half years old or something like that. And it was starting to like the screen was burnt and, you know, things like that. So I get this new phone and then I keep running into these random things where so like Discord Five years ago, they forced you to turn on two-factor authentication. What I didn't realize is that the two-factor authentication wasn't tied to my phone number. It was tied to the device. So whenever I went to log in, I couldn't log in because I don't have that device. So then it says you can also log in using your backup codes. And I was like, I don't know what backup codes are. How do I get those? (laughs) So I get on the website to get my backup code. Guess what you need to have to get your backup codes? Your original device. You need to have your two-factor authentication to get the backup codes. So to bypass the backup codes, you need the, <laughs> the backup codes to the backup codes to the backup codes. Uh, and eventually, after like screaming and, and trying it on the computer and trying it through the app and trying it through the computer app and all this, finally I went to the website and tried to log in through a different way, and it let you use your phone number to get a text with the code. So I finally managed to get in to change all those settings to shut all that shit off. But that probably took me, it probably took me two and a half hours to fucking do that after work today. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I would have given up. I would have just not had Discord anymore. Hey guys, we're back to using uh, Facebook Messenger. (laughs) 
Oh, I was really I was really panicking for a second when the parents said they were switching the phone thing, because if they swapped it and they didn't move my phone number up. Uh, so all the new security stuff that banks use goes off two factor authentication, which uses your fucking phone. Yeah. So so if they switched my numbers, I would lose access to all of my stuff at work and I would have to go through like three days of redoing everything. That sounds good. I don't know. It's it's got to the point now where the security on stuff is so ridiculous that I can't get into the stuff that I should have access to. (laughs) I I actually agree. I think security almost goes too far in a lot of things where you're like, like, what if I were to lose my phone and my wallet at the same time? I'd be screwed. There's you can't recover anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we'll send you a text. Well, that doesn't work. Okay. Well, then how else? Like, I can't log into my email if I don't have my phone. So you can't send do it that way. You can't. You know what I mean? All that stuff is. I have I have an encrypted password protected uh, document where essentially I back up all my usernames and stuff. So just in case I can't find one. Yeah. And at this point at work, I have 67 passwords I have to know. Yeah, some of my passwords for work, I've learned I use a pattern on the keyboard. So when they make you change it, you just shift your hands up like a, a row right. and do the same pattern. So you just have to remember the starting key. You don't have to remember the whole password because they make you change them so often and they won't let you like just change one letter or something. Right. Yeah, it's a freaking so, it's a freaking nightmare. It's too it's, much. And now a lot of my passwords, I think the worst ones are up to the point where it's uh, what's the worst one? Six, 16 digits. There can be no repeated digits. Good Lord. There can, you have to have at least two different symbols, two different numbers and those two symbols and two numbers cannot be consecutive. And by consecutive, I don't mean just on the keyboard. I mean next to each other. So, like, yeah, like it, it, it has to be like A, B, C, 1, uh, D, E, star, Q, F, 9, blah, blah. So it's, it makes it so. And then those, they're mad because we're constantly calling to have our passwords reset. And I'm like, I cannot remember that random ass shit password. Oh. Like it's just a big, dumb, stupid combination of fucking numbers. There's nothing about it that's rememberable, which I get that's what makes it more secure, but it makes it so secure I can't fucking log into it. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how they expect people to remember all that shit. No, and the, and then the irony is, is it forces you to write it down, which makes it less secure. Right. Yeah. Passwords are stupid. You know what else isn't secure? <laughs> money, what? money trucks. In weird long movies without a continual plot to them. Uh, well done, Noah. Yeah. 
Segway. <laughs> well, Noah, do you want to tell us about dead presidents? Jesus fucking Christ. It's going to take me 30 minutes to explain this movie and nothing fucking <laughs> happens. It's, it's so it, it's basically. Well, here, so it's it's the movie born on the 4th of July. But with black people instead of white people. And there's a armed robbery toward the end of the movie. <laughs> that's that's not far off. Yeah, not, I mean, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's a, the story of a dude's life growing up on, I guess, the quote fingers, the mean streets in the early 60s, which they kind of. Uh, I don't know. Soften it. I don't know. They, they turn it into almost like a not not leave it to Beaver, not to that extent, but it's supposed to be this nice, safe neighborhood where the most gangstery thing they get into is playing pool for money, right? And then it goes forward, uh, him being slightly older and banging a chick, and then it goes forward, and he's in Vietnam, and then it goes forward, and he's back home from Vietnam and he had knocked up what's her face and now he has a daughter and then it jumps forward to him having money issues and then it jumps forward to him getting a job and then it jumps forward. (laughs) I mean, literally every, every two minute scene is three to five years later from the previous scene. (laughs) It's a mild exaggeration, but it definitely does feel like, a series of vignettes rather than one continuous plot, which is a problem. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty much, I don't know. Does it feel like this entire movie is just a weird justification for them committing a crime at the end of the movie? See, it does sort of feel like that's what they were going for. (laughs) Yeah. which is The idea (laughs) that, but then it's, it's super weird because they do sort of like, the movie gets much much better like at the vietnam part like that or that early stuff oh my god fucking uh but when he's and then when he gets back like they're playing up like okay they're not doing it great they're playing up this whole like he's stressed about money he can't can't get by he's drinking too much it's causing problems at home and all this and then this opportunity to rob this truck presents itself and as if as if they're building up to like, oh, he had no choice but to take this route and all this. But then the movie ends with him being punished for robbing. And they're like, yeah, you can't rob banks. You got people killed. You're going to jail for a long, long time. And everyone's upset. And it's like, well, yeah, that's what happens when you rob <laughs> banks. Like, I don't like you literally had a, a robbed a bank and had a shootout with the guards and a couple of people are dead. And it's like, yeah, you're going to jail now. So, yeah, yeah, I was going to say three, three people got murdered. Yeah, like and it's like, yeah, so I'm like, I don't know. It's like on the one hand, they're playing it as up as if like, oh, well, he had no choice. But I mean, is that the case? I don't they don't do a great job of making him into the hero of the movie, if that's the message they're going for. But it's it almost just plays out like, yeah, you won't. Well, no, what happened to this guy? Here's just a bunch of the different things that happened to him over his life. And here's the parts where he fucked it up. And then he like the last actual scene of the movie, uh, apart from just a scene of watching him riding the prison bus to prison, which that's just tacked on there is him like cussing at the judge and throwing a chair. Yeah. 
I believe you mean Judge Martin Sheen. Yeah, George. Yeah, Judge Martin Sheen. And it, but the whole thing is like the second that happened, I went, "Oh, wait a minute! Is this a Spike Lee movie?" It's like <laughs> angry, angry, cussing black guy attacking a judge. <laughs> this feels like a Spike Lee movie. That whole thing seemed like really out of character for him too. Like, did, is there anything in the moments leading up to that that would lead you to believe that he was going to like throw a chair at a judge? Like, it's very unusual the way it plays out. Yeah, I guess we did. We did see him lose it on the wife at one point and like choke her, but I think they were trying to imply that that was partially due to all the heavy drinking and PTSD from Vietnam. Yeah, even yeah, though that's what it was called. Yeah, this is a whole yeah, bunch I, of weird commentary in it that like I like, I don't I know can't. if the PTSD is supposed to be a major factor or not in this movie though. I can't tell. I don't think it is. I think it's just it's just there to say yeah he's got some some uh, mental problems that he's definitely not dealing with, but I don't think they even hit it hard enough for it to be like, Oh, this is going to lead into something. And then it doesn't like, like the movie opens up and it's like the, the, the kind of annoying scenes of him and his like buddies. And one of the buddies is Chris Tucker. And it's like, fuck, I have to watch the rest of this movie. I hope he's not in it much. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I like Chris Tucker in this movie. Uh, I, I I was going to say he's at his least Chris Tuckery in this film. As I've it's still seen. too Chris Tuckery for my taste. I'll tell you that much. I can't deal with him in a comedy. So trying to put him in a drama film, it's like just horrible, horrible mistake. Never put Chris Tucker in anything ever. Um, don't even interview him on talk shows. I, fuck. I can't deal with that guy. I but, completely okay. disagree, but okay. So whatever. So all that stuff is just, it's kind of dumb and it ends with him like getting laid for the first time. And you're like, I didn't really know why they were doing that until later when they reveal the pregnancy. And I'm like, okay, it's plot relevant, that part at least. But all of that Jesus could have been... Jesus fucking Christ. And isn't that the most awkward goddamn sex scene you've ever seen in a fucking movie? Yeah, but that's on, that's on purpose. That's supposed to be the idea is they're young and stupid and don't know what they're doing. And well, even more, yeah. like she takes her bra off and then is like, oh, don't look, don't look. And then, like, and, covers herself with the sheet. I'm just like, you are having sex right now. Like, I think that is like, yeah. something you don't need to worry about. But, but again, that they're trying to do that. But all that shit is just, it's kind of dumb. And I, we don't, you could wipe all that out. Because once they get to Vietnam, like, even the scene with, where he tells his family he wants to sign up and they're, like, upset with him because they want him to go to college or whatever. I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. And then he gets to Vietnam and that stuff's pretty good. Like the one guy that like loses it and is like randomly killing people and he cuts off the head of one of his victims to use as like a good luck charm for the to carry with them for the rest of the war and shit. Like all that stuff is like pretty and good. He comes Vietnam back movie and stuff. becomes a preacher. Yeah. But like like the, the stuff in Vietnam, I, I can I can fuck with that shit. That is a that is a good part of the movie. And then he gets back and you're like, okay, we're gonna deal with like the trauma of the war, but it it doesn't really. It's like we just see him have trouble finding a job. That's it. And then he gets a job and he works there for a while. And then the, the business shuts down. So he robs a bank. And I'm like, why didn't like now you've got this like however long it's been since Vietnam, you've got this on your resume that you've been cutting meat and you're well trained. You should be able to find like just because one butcher shuts down doesn't mean there's no more in town. Now you've got some experience and, you know, 
And there's weird like lines of dialogue where other people are like, yeah, you know, I'm getting like a small military pension. And this other guy is like talking about how he's getting much more because he's got like cancer than he from the Agent Orange or whatever that stuff's called. And you're like, OK, yeah, like I that. But then well, why shouldn't this guy, shouldn't our main character, whatever his name is, he'd be getting a small pension too then. He was over the same amount of time. So you've got that little bit and you've got a normal job. And the wife works like where is all of this? Where's all these problems coming from? <laughs> like at least look for another job before you fucking rob banks. I don't know. Yeah, I would say like this movie, like if you take all of the sections individually, those sections are not like they're pretty good. It's when you sort of jam them all together that it's just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, this it doesn't is, feel like a no, piece of narrative. Right. There is no flow to this movie whatsoever. Oh, it's just yeah. a bunch of snippets. It's like and the it's, bank robbery scene at the end is pretty good, but you're like, was this whole movie like, is the climax of this movie a bank robbery? Did they tell us somewhere in the movie that the climax is going to be a bank robbery? You know, normally right. a climax is like the culmination of what we've been building to through a movie. And here it's like, they don't bring it up until the yeah. last 15 minutes or something. And you're like, Oh, I guess that's right. There was something about a bank robbery in the plot description that we read. Like, that's what I was going to say. I remember when this movie came out and all the trailers and all you remember from it is that it's going to be about this heist. And it's the, the dude holding the guns with the corpse paint face paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, yes. It, a bunch of guys were white face, by the way, kind of offensive. And that is so (laughs) fucking irrelevant to this movie. Like it is two minutes of this entire movie. Oh yeah. It's it. it, Yeah. It's, it's a well done scene, but it's like, it's out of nowhere. It's even the whole build up to it is very strange. Like the guy go, like he, you said, he goes and gets the preacher who is cutting off heads in Vietnam. And it's like, I don't, first of all, I have no idea. Like, is there some sort of social commentary there about how the guy that was going crazy is now the preacher? Are we supposed to think there's something there? Because they don't explore it at all. And know. then there's a, there's a lot. Of why would you go get that there. guy? Like, who would fucking go get that guy? Like, I saw that guy carry around a human head for three weeks once. I bet you won't, we can trust him to help us rob this bank. I wonder why things went awry. Yeah. Well, in like the so the end scene where they're in court, there's the moment where his lawyer starts to talk about his military background. He's, you know, he's like, he was a Marine. He, he was highly decorated for valor and all those kinds of stuff. And we're just asking for some leniency. And the judge goes out of his way to be like, well, I was a world war two vet and that's a real war. And it's like, really, we're going to bring in that kind of weird anti-Vietnam thing at the end of the movie. Like you don't need that on top of the fact that this judge is just kind of an asshole and, clearly yeah. planning on throwing the book at this guy anyway it's yeah, that's like that's that's the only time the anti-vietnam thing even pops up like that one like five second comment yeah well i mean that that was a whole thing if you go back and watch movies from the era it's like there was a whole thing where people thought world war ii is a real war and people who complain about vietnam should shut up because you did like so what you went to a job sure. you, you didn't have to go fight that that's a whole thing and it, honestly I, weirdly i think it's like a trope of having martin sheen say it i've seen him say it in other movies um and also but, complaining about a vietnam war when he was in uh, apocalypse now is that yeah some weird commentary it's 
I'm not sure. I don't know how the hell they got him in this movie. That's the other interesting question. Yeah, for like but, the three minutes he's in it. But anyways, like, it, like yeah, that is a thing. But again, because the movie's not cohesive, it's like okay, are we exploring the fact that this guy isn't being respected as a veteran because people protested the war? Is that something that we're exploring? Because we oh. haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned that until now. So it's like if that's if that's what you want your movie to be about, you could do that. You could have him come back and like be going into places and looking for jobs and they won't hire him because he was in Vietnam. That could be like that. And that could play into it all. Or you could have like, you know, those protesters who he eventually meets up with. It's just like his wife's sister or something is one of the people involved. And that's how he gets in there. It's like you could have them like harassing him and then have them kind of gradually win him over to their side or something. No. Yeah. yeah, I really thought so whenever he first meets the sister and she says, you know, welcome back from the war and welcome to the revolution or something like that. Yeah. I thought so once again, comparing this to other similar Vietnam movies, instead of the journey of the white dude who comes back and becomes a hippie and moves to California or whatever the fuck dumb fucking hippie bullshit happens in those movies. It was going to be this guy coming back from the war and getting involved with like the Black Panthers or something like that. Yeah. Thought they were hinting at something like that, but then he goes to like that one meeting and that's it. Like it's, right. All it is is an excuse for him to get little sister involved in the robbery at the end. Like that seems to be the, the purpose of those scenes is to bring her in. And I don't, I don't know who that actress was, by the way, but she was smoking hot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't disagree. You guys be careful. She was like 12 in those opening scenes before he went to war. (laughs) (laughs) He said actress, not character. It was. I I did think it was a little funny that they had the, the same actors playing people at these different ages. And I'm like, those actors do not look different ages. Like it's. No. <laughs> like him, him aging up, they just keep adding more and more facial hair to him, but never like a beard. You know what I mean? It's just he goes from none to freshman, like mustache type hair to, OK, now he's got stubble. OK, now he's got a really thin beard. OK, now he's got a slightly unkempt short beard. <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, how, how else are they supposed to do it? Come on. I, I don't know. They don't age anybody. They don't do it for Chris Tucker or anybody either. They look the exact same in Vietnam as they do in the later stuff, which I'm assuming is supposed to be a, close to 10 years after the fact. I don't know if it's meant to be that far. But you I'm don't think? But how about this? If it was a better movie, we wouldn't have to guess. We would have some idea, right? It's also true. And then another weird plot point that I thought was going to be a bigger deal is uh, Chris Tucker's heroin addiction. Yeah, I was super glad when I found out about that because I'm like, I want a character played by Chris Tucker to die. So they throw all this in and you're going to be like, oh, they're really going to explore like how the war messed him up and he's hooked on heroin and they don't really do anything with it. No, it's not only that, but 90% of the time, whenever it's brought up, it's for him to say, no, I do heroin all the time. And it's never had those negative consequences. Yeah, it's really it's 
it's a heroin it's a very, apologist movie. It's, yeah, it's like, very it's very pro heroin until he ODs at the end. Yeah, it's it's very strange the approach to it of like like I get the idea of dropping hints at his addiction throughout the movie, but it's it, it should have gotten progressively worse each time. And instead, every time they bring it up, it's the same like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. You can just do heroin. It's fine. And at the end, you just ODs and you're like, oh, I guess it's not fine. Who knew heroin wasn't fine? I'm glad that they threw that in at the end. Um, yeah, this movie is so just. Did, did we mention Keith David's in this fucking movie? And he's awesome. His performance is so good. Yeah, he, he's good. I, I wish the whole movie had been Keith David. <laughs> That, right? that scene when he because Keith David's character for anyone who hasn't seen the movie is missing a leg and he's got like a prosthetic Just, and he's like you grabbed the wrong leg motherfucker <laughs> that, guy, <laughs> that guy tries to take him down and accidentally rips off his prosthetic leg and he just starts, he's like on the ground because, you know, you get knocked over and he's just beating the shit out of the guy he's hitting him with a leg at one point I'm like, damn, I'm enjoying that <laughs> even that one scene where um the Terrence Howard character is like going to beat up our main character. And then Keith David is just like, oh, motherfucker, get the hell out of here. He just gets really mad at him and throws him out. He's just like, leave that guy beating up my friend. He's, he's almost just frustrated with the with the, the existence of this violence. But it's like at the same time, he's the one doing it. I really like the performance. I'm confused by the existence of Terrence Howard. Because okay. he is a very celebrated actor who's won many, many awards. And I cannot mm-hmm. remember ever a moment of having him on screen in a movie and me being like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> Iron Man? No. No. Yeah. No. Fuck, fuck him. They replaced right. him with Don Cheadle. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought he was good in Iron Man. I, I had no complaints. I think he did a lot of, like, didn't he have, like, a long-running, like, TV show that I've never seen? Yeah, I think he's just he's just the blandest motherfucker on the planet. Him trying to play like the tough guy, like the criminal in this movie. It was like, that's, you know, you're not pulling that off, really. He wasn't terrible, but it was like I can see through the I can see through this performance and I can see the like nice, calm, quiet actor type who probably went to acting school underneath your tough guy persona. Should they have taken his character and the other pimp character and like combine them? Sure. Wouldn't that have made a more like narrative sense? They already don't already don't like each other. And then he quote unquote took care of his woman while he was in the war. So that would automatically cause like a dramatic rift between them when he comes back. Yeah, that would make more sense. Because the other guy, I mean, he's in like two scenes and you're like, yeah, this guy's yeah. an asshole. He shows up twice. The first yeah. time he shows up is to insinuate that perhaps she was working as a prostitute while he was off at the war. And then the second time is for him to come back and insinuate now that they're having money troubles. He's going to lend the money and then fuck the dude's wife. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Seems like you it. just you take, you take the Terrence Howard, Howard character and make that that character. And that that solves everything. Yeah, because all of a sudden there's built in drama because there was already tension between them. And then now he's inserted himself into the guy's life more and stuff. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. A lot of this movie, I feel like, yeah, like it. 
it needed it needed a, a narrative that flowed through and it didn't have that so it, it that's i mean that's what we said right from the get-go is it's just all these not quite connected scenes that could almost be like individual scenes individual short films rather than one long film Like I said, I remember this coming out, and I remember the expectation of this being some kind of big blockbuster movie. And then I remember it not being that. I don't really remember it coming out, to be honest. Like, nobody went to school the next day and were like, man, did you see Dead Presidents? Well, I just remember it seeming like a bigger, like... um like an action movie or something like a crime movie yeah. yeah about all being about a heist i literally sent you guys a message over our discord chat and i was like there's half an hour left in this movie not a single person has mentioned a heist so far oh yeah i i thought when we put this on the list i thought that it was a group of vietnam vets that robbed banks and the movie would kind of start with them coming home from vietnam and whatever and they would get into this bank robbing thing and the whole movie would be them doing different ones. I didn't, did not anticipate that this would, there'd be one heist that was completely unconnected from everything else that happened to the movie. Right. So strange. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there, I mean, does anybody like this movie? Does anybody not like this movie? Not particularly. My wife's biggest complaint was that there was a ridiculous amount of very wet, gross-sounding kissing in this film. <laughs> and that she was trying to not watch the film and do something else. And you could just see her every time it would happen getting more and more irritating. <laughs> oh, my God, it was. All right. There was some wet, smacky kiss sounds going on. I have no, I have no comment on the kissing sounds. Um, I would say like the stuff that happened in Vietnam, I thought was really good. I thought like, you know, the action worked, but more importantly, the drama of it worked. And there's yeah. like, there's that moment where he has to like euthanize his friend. And I'm like, that I think was really well done. And, um, uh, you know, all that was good. And it's just when he came home, it's like they, they couldn't handle the storyline of the PTSD and the the whole so, like descent of the character. They just they didn't know how to do that. And so they just did a bunch of scenes where they're like, put a beer in his hand, and then his wife will yell at him for having a beer. And you're like, but he doesn't seem drunk, so what's the problem? Like so, so is your recommendation for people to watch the first thirty minutes of this movie, but not the first eleven minutes of this movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's like a sweet spot there where you can watch 15 minutes of this movie and it's really good. Out of the total running time is there's like 15 really good minutes uh, in the middle. It's two hours. This movie is two hours long. Yeah. My plan was to watch half of it because about, you know, 45 minutes in, I'm like, oh my God, this movie is way too long and I feel like jack shit is happening. But I powered through and finished it in one sitting. They should have they should have cut out a bunch at the beginning, like pre-war stuff, and then they should have had more time at war to get you more, give you more time to feel sympathetic for the character, and then less time after. And then I don't know if you need to drop a bank at all. 
I don't know about the, the reason this is on our list. I'm not sure if that needed to even happen. Or I if feel, it did need to happen, like it, it build towards it quicker and, and in a more interesting way. Yeah, I don't know if I came into this movie with a bias or something, but I'll tell you what. By the time the opening credits were done, I was already fucking getting irritated with this movie. <laughs> it's because Chris Tucker is in the opening scene. Uh, no, it's all just that stupid, the money burning, and it's like just the slow scrawl of credits and it's like Jesus fucking Christ just fucking get to the movie I don't I'm I wish they would stop with the opening credits we don't need opening credits in movies there's lots of credits at the end we don't need fucking to know every we don't need to see a little animation of every production company then see the name of every production company then see the name of the top 10 actors and the director and the fucking director of photography and whoever else like just it'll all be in the in the information at the end we don't need to hear it all yeah that goes for like basically and, every movie and if you're gonna do long ass opening credits they better be fucking entertaining yeah or just, or just run them over the beginning of the movie you don't create a separate opening credits scene right. if yeah. you think about the rock the rock is telling you the backstory kind of what's going on while the opening credits it's the example you've on the got in your head. It's yeah, the last it is. Because I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, when's like a good, like something that actually moves the story along? And I'm like, oh, on The Rock. Because it shows them breaking in and stealing all the VX gas warheads. Okay, but Counterpoint, the movie Jack Frost from 1997, goes through the Christmas tree and all the, the our ornaments have the names that you need to know on them. Okay. Completely, completely does not advance the plot in any way, but it's a really cool opening sequence. And then later, a snowman kills people. Yeah. Like, like I said, as long as it's entertaining, the opening sequence of uh, Napoleon Dynamite, where all the names are written out in food and shit, is great. I'm fucking into it. And it's not insanely long. Yeah, Doug just argued against his own point. Well, I was arguing against your point, but you were kind of agreeing with me. So, okay. I, uh, yeah. Um, so Dead Presidents, I'm going to assume not a recommend. No. Yeah, it's bo- it's boring as fuck. Don't watch that movie. No. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's as, it's completely terrible. I just don't think it's good enough. You know what I mean? Like if somebody could get their hands on this and edit it down to a 90 minute movie, it might be good enough. But at two hours, it's just not. Yeah, like I said, all the separate stuff is good on their own, but when you smush them together creates a really bad movie yeah i don't and like again there's so much stuff that could easily be taken out of this to make it more character driven and concentrate on the people who matter more like you could easily edit out that pimp character or the terrence howard character or make them into one character like you know what i mean like just so much stuff you could do even the keith david character as much as i like his performance fuck's he doing in this movie what's the point of him you know what i mean uh he's there to make this movie not completely suck yeah, but if you took him and Chris Tucker, right, they might offset each other. Uh, I think the positive that a Keith David brings is less than the negative that a Chris Tucker brings. <laughs> uh, Doug, do you want to run down Point Break for us? Point Break. Um, let's see. Keanu Reeves plays Johnny Utah. An up and coming 
<laughs> you shut up. It's a brilliant name. And it was originally going to be the name of this movie. And I'm not sure the movie wouldn't be better if it wasn't. Um, so he's teamed up with uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> and they're uh, going to be trying to stop bank robbers. And they're specifically going after a group of bank robbers that wear masks of ex-presidents. But Gary Busey thinks that the bank robbers might be surfers. So now Keanu Reeves has to learn how to surf in order to... Uh, catch them for some reason which because instead of just waiting for them to rob a bank and catching it's, them at the bank they're going to catch them on the beach and um, it's because and then, surf culture is very uh, in crowdish so you can't get in unless you too are a surfer yeah which is probably actually true um, anyways long and short of it is he gets kind of hooked on them and it becomes he's got his, his buddy is the guy that's robbing the banks so it's very dramatic at the end because he has to battle with his friend everybody's seen this fucking movie we don't need a plot description in this movie let's just start talking about how great it is i'm gonna uh, be 100 percent honest i used to like this movie and on this rewatch i was like oh this is kind of a bad movie whoa no come on Uh-oh. it's the well listen it's an entertaining movie but i just so much of this movie doesn't make any fucking sense. I'm going to casually point out that every week on this podcast, at least once you say it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. All that matters is that it's entertaining. And now you're like, this movie's entertaining, but also it's bad. So no, everything, no, no, every, no, no. Everything you say from here on is now tainted because you're breaking your own rules. No, that's that's still my rule. It's it's entertaining. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying it's just not. I I remember this being like a good movie in the sense of a technically good movie like a a well-written well-thought-out movie and it is not it is an entertaining movie and you've got a keanu and and a Busey running around keanuing and Buseying all over this film which is great not to mention a swayze don't drop don't forget swayze man and a swayze who in this movie has to restrain himself from breaking into dance at any point. He doesn't dance in the entire movie. It's pretty impressive. Right. Um, The restraint he showed is really, really something to be commended. But the thing about his character is we're supposed to believe that the Keanu Reeves character is like going into this surfing thing just because of like, just to learn just because he's in their hardcore trying to catch these bank robbers and all this. And the idea is he could kind of get sucked into the culture and, but the thing is, Patrick Swayze is so damn charismatic in this movie that I totally buy it. I'm like, yeah, I could see that. I could see like you're like you go into it just like as a professional and you go like, nah, fuck now. I'm in love with this. And at the end, he for some reason quits his job, which I don't understand. But it's like um, I, I, I love Swayze at this movie. I'm like, I can absolutely see why, especially in 1991 standards, everybody would just be totally sucked into him. His fucking hairdo in this movie is fucking a uh, crime. That's, yeah, the hair is an issue. And there, I mean, there's some fashion issues that come along with any movie from that sort of early 90s before grunge took over era. I think he's got he's got the hairdo of like a 90 year old woman who just got a perm. That's. See, see we can agree on some things in the movie. <laughs> No, like I said, so so the movie's fun enough. Like all the, the, the surfing bits, uh, crime, 
was all that crime. And then uh, completely fucking inept police work. They every every police officer in this movie should not yeah. be in, See, in that job. It's really bad. I think that the problem here is that the script isn't great. Um, it, and then what is happened not. is. But what happened is they went and got Catherine Bigelow to direct it. And we talked about her just like a couple of weeks ago. With, was it Blue Steel? Is that the one we talked about? And it's like, yeah, she can take. She's such a good storyteller that she can take these like mediocre scripts and she knows how to make sure that she stops and takes that beat and gives you those various moments. Um, and this one in particular, there's a moment where Kenya Reeves and uh, his girlfriend are out on the water when they're doing the night surfing scene and everybody else has gone in. And it's just the two of them out there. I'm surfing. And it's I'm trying to make a point that you're, <laughs> Talking about a different scene where they were out in the water, not the night surfing scene. No, but that's there's the a night moment. scene. I'm surfing. All right. Never mind. You make your you make your points. I don't need to make my points. <laughs> You're fine. No, keep going. Sorry. No, no. no I, it was it was just move a Keanu, it was a Keanu spasm. It's fine. But let's move on. Brian, you want to? This was the first time I watched for you, wasn't it, Brian? Yep. What'd you think? Well. Here we go, I guess. Uh, I feel like this is a movie you had to see when it came out because I did not enjoy this movie at all. I don't know what's wrong with you people. It's like you're gonna <laughs> tell me, like you're telling me that like the like the bank shootout scene, the sky the multiple skydiving scenes, that chase sequence, which can only be described as a a tribute to Bloodsport. You're telling me none of that stuff was fun. You're telling me Gary Busey, like, diving into that pool wasn't enough to make you watch this movie right at the beginning? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm saying uh, Johnny Utah is absolutely the worst FBI agent I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's pretty terrible. Uh, he, Gary, he, he tracks down the bad guys and catches them. He uses his real name while he's undercover. Yeah. And apparently, he's an easily recognizable college yes, football star. He's played in the Rose Bowl on television. Yes, yes these let's send these, him these, in undercover. These plot points are problematic to have him and to have him like bringing people back to his real house is all a problem. Yes. yes. Yeah, let's bring this girlfriend who is somewhat involved in this whole thing back to my house so we can sleep together. Yeah, again, these are all script issues that I agree are problematic. And, and this is a weird thing. My brain must have rewritten the end of this movie to make it make more sense. But my memory of this movie was that it ends with uh, Keanu and Swayze on the beach with the giant wave and whatever. And he decides to let this bad guy who is his friend go out and ride the big wave or die before yeah. going to prison. That's it's what a, I remembered, but that is not what it is. He goes to punish him and he's wanting to take him in. And somehow he thinks that him going out and getting to do the thing he wants to do and to die the way he wants to die is a punishment. And that's fucking stupid. That is not a punishment. That is literally giving the person exactly the thing that they've always wanted. <laughs> no, but he, but that's the whole point. Swayze convinces him, right? Because he lets Swayze go. He's like, fine, you want to go die out there instead of going in a cage? Fine. But then he tosses away the badge, right? So this is what this is what I wanted to discuss when I brought this up. Is 
Swayze actually convinces him. Says like, no, like he's he's turned Keanu. Keanu is no, is no longer going to be chasing bad guys. He's going to be letting them get away with shit. And you can go die the way you want to die. I guess it's a it, it's a weird ending to a movie, but that's the ending that we get. Is it? See, Keanu, Keanu beats him, and then Swayze talks him into saying like, no, you should have. I'm right. I should get to go out there and die and you should stop trying to chase bad guys and we should all just move on. And so he, he actually at the very end convinces Keanu Reeves that to go on his side. Right. He did. He, no, he See, but that's Keanu a, has him not, caught. He has him handcuffed. Not, but that's not the way I interpret that. Cause whenever he's walking away and they go, Oh, you let him go or whatever. And he goes, he's not coming back. Like, you know, fuck him. And it's, but it's not fuck him. He gave him exactly the thing he wanted. He's letting him die. He's letting him die the way he wants to die. Basically, but that is the assumption is he's not, he's, he's going to stay out in that water until those waves kill him. But then Keanu tosses his badge. He's done too. He's, he's switched sides at the end of this movie. Because otherwise, why does he toss the badge away? Because he's a terrible FBI agent. That's why. It's just it's just guilt for just, just can't take this paycheck anymore. I'm so bad at this. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, even after like Patrick Swayze, okay, gets away before we even get to this part. And then we're to assume because Keanu's hair gets longer that some time has passed. So is his entire yeah, and job been, been, and he's been chasing him all over the globe. Yeah, has he been globe trotting yeah. to try to find him? Yeah. Giving him he knew where he was going to be. Why are they even chasing him? He could just be like, well, he's going to be at this wave thing uh, here in like a, a year. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that's how police work. I don't think they just go, just let him run, let the criminal run rampant around the world. Well, it so, doesn't sound like he found him beforehand. So he missed, he missed him by a week in Baja or whatever. Would have saved them a lot of money. Uh, okay, but. I don't know. I just, this movie did nothing for me whatsoever. I don't get that. Keanu trying to blend in with the other surfers and stuff. I'm just like, this is kind of terrible. This is kind of not good. His performance isn't great. He's just, but he's just Keanu Reeves. I like him. So. Sure. Come on, man. We're going to go catch some gnar. And I felt like there was zero chemistry between him and Lori Petty. Like, I did not believe their relationship whatsoever. I, did, I really like her performance in the movie, actually. Yeah. I think she has a good performance. I just think they, yeah. liter- they literally have no chemistry together. I forgot how smoking hot Lori Petty was. Oh, when, like, in 1991? Like, yeah. 12-year-old me watching this movie a hundred times because it was VHS <laughs> era and you only had so many movies you could watch. I loved this one. I loved her, man. Yeah. Can we all talk about how cool the, the moment is where they're at the gas station and he lights the, the pump and he's like spraying like a fire hose all over stuff. Fuck, it's awesome. It's pretty dope. And some of the fire gets on him. They start wrestling. You just see him running down the street like trying to pat it out as he runs away. Or there's that, the weird raid that they do on those other douchebag surfers who are <laughs> some of the members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I do believe. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if it's just Anthony Kiedis. I don't know if there's anybody else in there is there's, a of the Chili Peppers. And there's just random drugged out naked chicks stabbing people with scissors and shit. 
yeah. that whole raid scene i mean it's it's again if you're going to get into the script issues a major problem is like first of all they raid this place based on like a hunch right and they're ready to like murder people and shoot everyone based on it. Then the fact that they have Kenya Reeves, who's the undercover cop there as part of the raid, which makes no sense. And then there's not nearly enough cops considering how many bad guys they're trying to take down. All those different things are problematic, but the actual scene is so fun to watch. Gary Busey forcing his way in the front door, pretending he's looking for a dog and Keanu Reeves can't signal that there's guns in there because he there's a lawnmower next door. Like it never occurs to him to just like wave to the guy, wave a badge at the guy and tell him to turn off his lawnmower. Like all that stuff is ridiculous, but it's so fun to watch that one guy shoots himself in the foot and his foot like explodes, and you're like, that was amazing. <laughs> one guy yeah. draws that that big giant gun that's like just blowing holes and shit. Yeah, you didn't enjoy any of the action in this movie. That's what you're saying, Brian. I don't understand how you. I can understand like if you didn't get into the drama of the film, I can understand that. But you're telling me you didn't enjoy the action sequences. I don't. I mean, I think the raid is about the only thing I would call an action sequence. What about the shootout at the bank where that under like when they've figured out who Canu is and they take him in there, and then that undercover cop like. Decides he's that other cop is that's in the bank just decides he's going to be a hero and it causes a giant shootout. Is it like a big shootout though? I don't remember it lasting more than like two minutes, maybe. Okay. There's the, there's the skydiving scene where Keanu jumps out of the plane without the parachute <laughs> and then he and then he grabs Swayze and he's got a gun to his head and they're following and and Swayze won't pull the ripcord. But Keanu uh, can't pull the ripcord without dropping the gun. And it never fucking occurs to him that he could just solve the problem by shooting the motherfucker in the head and then pulling the ripcord. The best part of that is I had a, I had a friend who was a professional skydiver and it would drive him fucking nuts when I would just continuously tell him that I thought that scene was realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's like, there's no way you can't like talk when you're falling at those speeds. I'm like, you probably can. How would you know? And he's like, does I fucking do it all the time? <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, you, you really have a long time to fall. Eh? And he's like, no, they definitely would have hit the ground with the amount of time that that takes. You would, you would also have a nightmare of a fucking time pulling a ripcord on somebody and then holding on to them I because of that, so. that inertia that would hit you. I imagine that would be, yeah. The Mythbusters Wait. apparently have looked into that scene, and the only part that's realistic is that, yes, you can kind of angle your body and try to catch up to someone else like that if they're falling like normally and you really want to. So that part is probably true, but then once you grabbed onto them, they both would be dead from that point. So, Yeah. But man, the guy <laughs> jumps out of a fucking plane and catches up to the other guy. That's pretty cool, man. But even before that, so they pretty much figure out like, okay, uh, Patrick Swayze was was the fucking Ronald Reagan guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's obvious that they know. Okay, Keanu's a FBI agent. Yeah, Patrick Swayze's in the uh, Ronald. I keep wanting to say Ronald McDonald, the Ronald Reagan mask. Honestly, probably about the same quality of president, but whatever. Agreed. 
Uh, and so then like Patrick Swayze comes up and he's like, Hey, why don't you come skydiving with us? And you're just like, okay, like, I'm not going with the bank robber guy to go skydiving. He's going to fucking murder me by not packing my shoe correctly. But he's also going to shoot you if you don't go. I guess. I don't fucking know. That's the idea of the scene. If if you're suggesting that it wasn't executed perfectly, I can understand that. But it was pretty clear that the idea was like, you're going. And he's like, I don't think I should go. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you are. Like, look how many of us there are. We woke you up out of your bed. So you're not like prepared to take us on. Get in the fucking truck. My my favorite part of the entire movie is when uh, Keanu is getting the the shit beat out of him by Anthony Kiedis and the rest of the red hot junkie peppers or whatever we want to call them. And uh, so Gary Busey comes running around the corner and he's got his gun, but he's already been rescued. And so he's trying not to blow his cover. So he's like, did you guys see some kid run through with my wallet? <laughs> Well, dude, I love Gary Busey in this movie. Every line he delivers makes me laugh, whether he's trying to or not. I just, I fucking love it. When he's explaining his whole, like, uh, how he determined that he thinks that they're surfers, and he's, like, explaining the wax to Keanu Reeves, and I'm just like, there's something about it that I just love. There's a stupid moment in this movie where they're, like, in a car during one of their stakeouts, and somebody tries to sell them oranges, Instead of just saying, like, no, thank you, Gary Busey goes, no, nah, no, nah, we got a lot. We got a lot. Like, as if there's a whole bunch of oranges in the car that the guy just can't see. <laughs> I just, I love Gary Busey in this movie. I don't I know miss, what it is. I miss, uh, like, pre-crazy Gary Busey. Pre-motorcycle yeah. accident Gary Busey? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's a better way to say it, because he was still crazy. <laughs> he was still Gary Busey, like. Actor, actor Gary Busey before... Uh, spiritual madman Gary Busey. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was less likely to start a cult back then. <laughs> what about that chase sequence when Kenny Reeves is chasing Patrick Swayze and they like go through people's houses and Swayze throws a dog at him? <laughs> <laughs> when he throws that dog at him, Kenny just like punts it like a football, and I'm like, that's right. He's a put. He's a football player. They've established that. That was foreshadowing earlier in the movie. See, in my head, I went John Wick would I never mean, do such a thing. And by really, because my only thought was, Keanu just kicked the shit out of that dude's dog. <laughs> and the best part of it is that little sound effect of the dog like whimpering oh. as he kicks it. <laughs> it's so it's dumb. Who throws a dog at a guy? Terrible. It's just that lady's just screaming and yelling at them. What about John C. McGinley as the uh, captain that keeps yelling at them every time they screw everything up? Yeah, I, I, fucking, I, I forgot John C. McGinley was in this. I fucking he's so good. See, and I didn't even know he was in it until I saw the opening credits. And I was like, oh, shit. John McGinley's in this? Fantastic. And he was as much of a prick as I wanted them to be. He's, yeah, he in, just, he's in so much stuff, and he's still not in enough stuff. Right? Well, because he can do so many different things. 
Like he plays this like asshole captain so well, but he plays a likable asshole in so many other things. You know, he can do comedy. He can do serious. It's he he belongs in everything. And he's got kind of just a universal look to him where you can just kind of make him whatever you want him to be. What's your favorite Michael Bolton song? <laughs> I uh, you must really like his stuff, given you have the same name. I celebrate the whole catalog. <laughs> I still sometimes, uh, like, <laughs> I don't even know when I use this, but for some reason, sometimes it still pops into my head. Uh, I'll just go, so uh, what would you say you do here? <laughs> I'm a people person. I think we need to watch Office Space on the show. That's no problem. We can do that. Not going to work here anymore. Can we just talk about Office Space for the rest of the show? Now it's going on the list. All right. Did anybody ever say you've got a case of the Mondays where you work? No, man. (laughs) Somebody get their ass beat for that. Uh, moving on. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like this movie. I don't understand that at all. I am like mind blown. Like I understand if you weren't in the mood for something kind of lighthearted like this, and you were expecting some kind of serious drama, and you didn't really get that. But I, I cannot comprehend how you don't enjoy watching this. I don't know. I don't this know. is this is one I feel like I shouldn't have rewatched. Because I, like I said, I think my enjoyment of it decreased. You, you people are insane. <laughs> you, you have weird emotional issues. I think you guys went to Vietnam and you forgot to rob a bank when you got back, and now you don't know how to handle the stress. Maybe, maybe uh, I should rewatch the remake. Maybe I'll like that one more. No, no, no. Maybe no, it's do maybe it's the trauma of me being forced to learn to catch the gnar in order to <laughs> run down criminals. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, the FBI is fucking terrible. Like, if they just would have made him like a fucking LA PD or something, I don't know. Maybe because I'd be like, what, is, what <laughs> a stupid were, fucking if they cop! Were a lower the, level of law enforcement, I'd be okay with it. But maybe the FBI should fucking know better. I, I don't. I, I, I'm not sure that that was the point to this movie. Jesus. I mean, you're not wrong. Like that, he does have like that. A lot of what you're saying is like, don't put a guy undercover who people might recognize from TV. Good right. Point. You know, uh, don't bring people back to your home. Don't use your real name. All that stuff. You know, there's there's a lot of good points in there. I just don't think that that's what yeah, this movie is about. Don't, I don't think this was don't meant hang to out be a with your FBI procedural. partner in public constantly <laughs> while you're undercover. While while carrying your brightly colored surfboard back to the FBI office. <laughs> yeah, I love it. The best part of it is if if we're gonna nitpick that stuff, is like when the DEA agent shows up and he's like been living that life for months and traveling with them and dressing like them and everything, and he like can't even go home to his wife. <laughs> right. And we're like, oh, can you can you just like what get the real fucking random Greco appearance? 
I love it. I, I I love that him showing up there because it's such a contradiction. Like this is what you do when you go undercover, not like you're doing. You know, just go surfing and then like you're not undercover anymore at five. Like, yeah, I've been snorting drugs and haven't seen my family in six months. Oh really? I've just been banging this hot chick I met at the beach. It's way more fun. You should do bank robbery instead of <laughs> DEA stuff. Did my partner just went and got cheeseburgers down by the beach where I'm doing my undercover work? God, I, uh, you guys are I, insane. This I great. just, I just feel you, like since I didn't grow up watching it, I just this is does not impress you, me. You guys are so you're just wrong. It's I don't care that Gary Busey performance. There's no way it doesn't matter if you've ever seen it before. It's awesome. Okay, Keanu's performance isn't great, but watching him do the crazy shit they make him do in this movie is fun as hell. Swayze, Swayze. The right hot chili peppers are here. I constantly forget how bad of an actor Keanu Reeves is. Like, (laughs) he's he's famous and he's in a ton of awesome movies, but he's a shit actor. He's uh, he can be good. He's he's better later in his career. and he was good in like the Bill and Ted type stuff back in the day. He wasn't prepared to play an FBI agent yet at the stage of his career. I still say he was uh, really good in The Gift. Yep. Very much plays against type in that movie. Yeah, and he does a really good job. Really dark performance in that movie. Yeah. He's capable of it. It's just the right circumstances have to be there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You guys right. are both wrong about this movie. It's just... <laughs> I, accept, I accept my wrongness. Now I'm going to watch the remake and I'm going to come back next week and tell oh. you that it's awesome just to watch your head explode. If... The remake isn't even a movie. Have you guys seen it? No. It's just like, it's like a stunt reel. It's not even a movie. There's not even, I don't even know if there is a plot. I've only seen it once and I regret it. But it's like, it's, it barely qualifies as a movie. If you think this movie is like plot is messed up, that one they're just like, okay, take out all the silly parts. Well, there's nothing left. It's fine. Just do extreme sports for an hour and a half, and we'll call it a movie. Anyways, don't watch I get, it. I gave this two and a half stars. I don't under. You're insane. <laughs> two and a half out of five or out of ten? Out of five. If it was two and a half out of three, I can understand, but <laughs> yeah. Like Prime, you should you should speak to your therapist about why you can't enjoy things anymore. <laughs> I enjoy quite a few things, and I'll talk about some of them later on. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna stop taking your recommendations on things. I think. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch this last episode? I'm pretty sure I watched a thing. I'm just trying to remember what the fuck it was. Well, you're telling us you were enjoying uh, Superman and Lois. I did. I did catch all the way up on Superman and Lois. It's good. I kind of like. I kind of like what they're doing with the villains, where they kind of like 
almost completely change them, but somehow still kind of hit the mark on the important bits. Like Bizarro. They kind of did in an interesting way, but made it work. Yeah, yeah. I thought Bizarro was done pretty well. And then like Parasite, they kind of did completely different from the comic books, but got the, the power set right in a weird way. I don't know. I, I thought it was good. I do think it gets it does get a little CWE at, at times. Sure. But I think, as I've said before, I do feel like it is a good interpretation of Superman. And how his old moral upbringing is important in a modern setting. <clears throat> um, I, I like it because I, I feel like he's got all the morality in place of the the like the Reeves Superman, mm-hmm. but but is more human, you know, because yeah. you like see him get angry and upset and yeah. And then him trying to juggle between, well, I'm a dad, but also, <clears throat> you know, I'm responsible for protecting everyone on the planet when I can. And how he tries to juggle that back and forth. And, you know, the, his kids, his kids do get pissed when he's not around for stuff. And it's like, yeah, okay. All that stuff makes sense. Like, how do you explain to your kids like yeah I'm, I wasn't here for this important thing but I mean you know there was a fucking mudslide in Argentina and like thousands of people were going to die uh, and then I had planned to go see Evil Dead Rise over the weekend but uh, then I drove to fucking Wisconsin and back so. <laughs> <laughs> that was stolen from me gotcha. I love you dad but you were a thief of joy um, but the weekend before I did go see Renfield. As did I. In which so, uh, did I, we talk about that last episode or no? No. Okay. No, because we didn't record that week. Right. Uh yeah. I'm I'm almost totally positive on it. Like so it's not gonna win any awards or anything like that because it's a it's a horror comedy superhero movie. Like yeah. It's it's pretty genre specific to to be taken that seriously, but super, super gory though, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was gory. It was fun. I thought all the action stuff was pretty cool. I I was a little confused at what the fuck Nick Cage was doing in this movie, <laughs> where for large chunks of this movie he's doing. Uh, a pretty okay performance in which he's basically just doing an over-the-top, exaggerated, modernized version of Bela Lugosi, which I'm like, okay, do that. But then occasionally, just, I mean, it may be only three or four times through the whole movie, he just goes full Nick Cage out of nowhere, and you're like, what the fuck? How did the director leave this in this movie? Like, like the moment where they're doing your final words and he's like, oh, I'd like to dine in hell where all the cool people are. And you're like, that's a pretty good light. And then he goes, hey, done? and throws out the horns. And you're like, what the fuck? That was completely <laughs> unnecessary. Even like a comedy movie, that was ridiculous. 
And I do believe at one point where Dracula is making an evil monologue and in the middle throws in a Nick Cage, woo, in the middle of talking, you're like, <laughs> what? How does that fit with this character? Oh, I don't care. All positives for me. But besides that, like like I was telling everybody, I kind of hope they keep going with this and and do a quote finger Stark universe. And by that, I I don't mean like a uh, you know bring in a bajillion characters and, and do overarching stories. I would like to see like Renfield versus the Mummy, Renfield versus the Wolfman, Renfield. Uh, you want Renfield to be the connecting tissue? Yeah, versus gotcha. Abbott and Costello as zombies, because that would be pretty. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. I could get down with that. Like, oh, I had a good time with that. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I guess the the only uh, complaint I would have is making Renfield a superhero, where it's like, oh, I eat a bug, and then suddenly I have superpowers. That's kind of I kind of was like, meh, not a big fan of that, but. <laughs> Well, but at the same time, all the best parts of the movie come from that, I think. <laughs> Did I just see you cut off a guy's arms with a serving tray? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was adrenaline. <laughs> uh, Aquafina also feels kind of out of place in this movie a little bit. I, so I'm into Aquafina. My problem is, is she plays the exact same fucking character in everything. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever Doug's, get a chance. Doug's being quiet because Doug probably hates this movie. I I I lost interest in this movie like six months before it came out. So, oh, it's not. I Did I have nothing negative that? to say about it. I I'll probably see it one day when it's for free somewhere. But because when I, they first announced it, I thought they were making like a serious Dracula film, but from Renfield's perspective, and like they were going to fill in the backstory of what happened with Renfield and stuff. I was really curious about that. And then as it started to come out that it was going to be a comedy and stuff, I'm like, ah, never mind. Does it piss you off that they did everything they could to make it a direct sequel to the 31 Dracula? No. I'm not mad at the movie or anything. I just lost interest in it as I learned more about it. Like I say, I'll probably see it one day for free somewhere. Yeah, they, They digitally insert Nicolas Cage into footage from the 31 movie. Did it? Yeah. Did it did it feel weird that it felt like the entire movie they were setting up a werewolf reveal that never happened? Oh, at the Lobos? Yeah. Yeah. Like over and over again, I was like, they're clearly setting up a werewolf thing, and then it never happens. Nope. And then uh oh yeah, I do need to mention so the the fucking uh Dracula makeup for half reformed Dracula with the skin hanging off and shit was phenomenal. That yeah, looks cool so looking, yeah. fucking good. <clears throat> yeah. And then having Dracula under, or having a Nick Cage underneath it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was listening to an interview with the director and he was talking about all that stuff and how much he enjoyed all the, uh, Makeup effects and stuff they did for it. He was really happy with how it turned out. 
well, there was all sorts of stuff I love. And then I was like, man, I wish they would have done a little more with this, like his throne, the throne that's just like a giant fan of uh, blood bags running down mm-hmm. for him to rejuvenate from. I was like, that's so fucking cool. But you never get a good like shot of him on the weird blood throne. No. Yeah, there's some elements they could have done a lot more with. But they'll do that for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, I'm I'm in I'm I'm sold. I'm into it. Uh because Nicholas Cage has said if he would totally be down if they wanted to do a Dracula like spinoff. Like more with his character or whatever. Hmm. I don't I don't know if more Nick Cage would improve things. Huh? This movie know. this movie had the right uh balance of not focusing on Nick Cage but having Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. I said I hope they follow up and do do werewolf stuff with that, especially with <laughs> the the, the mom. The the evil gangster lady with her cool gravelly voice. I would fuck it. You mean Bella? Is that her name? Yeah. It was one of my Easter eggs I noticed when I was writing up my article. Yeah, because she's fucking, she's great. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. And uh, fucking What's-His-Face from Parks and Rec. It's usually hilarious in most of the stuff that he does. Is that the dude who plays Teddy? Yeah. I think that's Teddy Lobos. How on earth could you know that? I'm Teddy Lobos, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) This is police harassment. Leave me alone. Is he throwing drugs at us? (laughs) He's just sitting in the interrogation room, just just spouting everything that they've done. And they're like, there's not even a police officer in there. He's just talking. I'll tell you guys everything. We've killed 30 people. Uh, and then besides that, I think the only thing I've seen is trailers. Lots and lots of trailers. See the new uh, Flash trailer today? Yeah, new Flash trailer. More Batman. More I Batman saying catchphrases from old Batman movies. Which which worries me. Which I was worried with the last trailer. I don't know. That's the only reason why I'm going to watch this movie, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, but I just don't want him to say all the lines he did from the first movie. Like, I want something else, but... Listen, hey. never get your hopes up for a DC project, guys. No, it's going to be ter- It's going to be terrible, but I'm going to go see Keaton be Keaton. All the thing about it is, like, yeah, it, they're going to ruin the opportunity to bring Keaton back as Batman. That's what they're doing here. They could, uh, could have had... They could have done something great, and instead they're screwing it up. There, there is a weird moment in the trailer that I'm not sure if I'm seeing it right, but it sure looks like Batman fighting Batman. That'd be fun. Because it's yep. one Batman on the hood of the X-Wing and he punches the window out of it. And it looks like there's another Batman in the X-Wing. So I don't know if we're going to see Keaton versus Affleck, maybe. Yeah, I'd be down. 
Um, I, uh, I enjoy all the stuff that I see of Michael Keaton, like all the Batman stuff, the action stuff looks good. Um, but then when they literally just have him being like, Hey guys, remember this? Remember I said this and that in the other movie? It's like, Oh, don't do that. Maybe those are all just trailer things and they wouldn't even be in the movie. Uh, Yeah. So there's that. It looks okay. There's the new uh, Godzilla versus Kong two trailer. No, I didn't watch that. And it doesn't it doesn't show a whole lot other than apparently there's going to be the bad the quote fingers bad guy looks like it's going to be some kind of big red ape. But that's that's it. That's all it really gives you. Donkey Kong? I don't I don't, I'm not sure who it's supposed to be. I'm trying to think if there is a red ape from the old movies. Wasn't the one in uh, the original Godzilla versus King Kong? Was he like an orange color? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Then what else? There's a fan made trailer that somebody made for a Spider Man movie that actually looks pretty good. <laughs> well, is that where we're at? We're discussing the fan made trailers, huh? Hey, it happens. Uh, I think I think that's it. I don't think there were any other trailers that I can remember of that I was super stoked about. What'd you watch, Doug? Uh, I've had two weeks, so I must have watched something. Uh, let's see. Watched a movie called Crimes of Passion. Um, I don't know how to describe this movie to you. <laughs> it is a uh. So a guy is hired to like look into like industrial espionage and he's following this girl around and he finds out that she is a hooker at night. Like she has a secret life as a, as a prostitute. Um, and so he, I don't know, he ends up like falling for her as he's dealing with his own home problems. And he eventually follows her home after having, approached her as a prostitute and reveals that he like knows who she is in real life. But as much as you could say that, that that's an interesting like plot, like maybe for some kind of a thriller, this movie has no idea like what it wants to be. It's like they're playing up like the drama between him and his wife is home as, as he's like, you know, wanting to a, a different life and getting excited while following around this hooker. But also then it's like, cheesy 60s sex comedy when they're dealing with the hooker stuff some of the time and then every now and again they decide to turn, turn up the drama in her life as well and you're like what is going on like tonally it's just all over the place but then the reason I'm about to recommend it to Noah is that the the secondary storyline is that Anthony Perkins plays like a maniac preacher who's been harassing the hooker and eventually also follows her home and finds out her real identity. So like where you've got the one guy that followed the person and found out that she has a secret life as a hooker. The other guy's following the hooker and finds out she has a secret life as a normal human being that works in like a, a day-to-day job. <laughs> and so eventually, you know, it becomes clear there's going to be like a conflict and this guy's going to have to protect the hooker from the Anthony Hopkins character or Anthony Perkins character. 
but it's just Anthony Perkins being full Anthony Perkins. Um, just creepy and weird and yelling strange things and waving sex toys around at people <laughs> trying to stab people with a very large vibrator. I don't know, man. It's the performance is something great. else. Yeah, like the rest of the movie, I don't know if I can really recommend it, but every time he's on screen, you're just like, oh my God. Like, it's so good. So, so this is this is Anthony Perkins from Edge of Sanity. Yes, yes. What you're saying. Anthony Perkins from Psycho, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Does he does he yell into a chick's butthole? <laughs> Not directly. I'll say it that way. There are, there's okay. there is a moment where he wanders into like a I don't know what you call it, like a I don't know if these things really exist, but like imagine a room with like metal walls and like those little slots like they have in like nightclubs so the person can look out the door to see who's in. But it's like a circle and everybody looking in is looking in on a girl who's stripping so that they can beat off behind their little metal walls. And he goes in there (laughs) and he's like being creepy Anthony Perkins watching this girl through this thing. And you're like, I don't know. And then he immediately goes straight out the front door, like flips over a box, stands up on it and starts preaching because he's this weird preacher guy. So (laughs) do with that as you will. Interesting. And the, uh, yeah, it's Kathleen Turner, by the way, that is the star of this movie, which is not someone I would expect to see in this type of role. Maybe it was early in her career. I don't know. Films from like 84. Um, just a, a very strange movie to watch. I don't even know how to explain it. Um, but yeah, totally all over the place. But that Anthony Perkins performance, man, is just almost makes it worth it. Definitely makes it worth it for you, no? You should you should watch this movie. Yeah, it sounds great. By the way, the reason I watched this movie is because I was flipping through like the thriller section of like an app, and it, for some reason, when they described the, the main character, it, it kept referring to her as a fifty dollar hooker. And I'm like, why is it being so specific? I don't understand why they have to be that specific about what type of hooker she is. So then, that's what made me feel like I had to watch this movie to find out. And it turns out that that plot description's not that accurate like although they do refer to her as a 50 dollars hooker in the movie she does charge different things depending on what people want so um what else did i watch Um, Um, uh, while while you're figuring that out no i forgot to tell you since we took a week off uh you're up for picking movies next week Fuck. Okay. Continue, Doug. Sorry. Uh, I watched an Oz exploitation movie called Snapshot. Oh yes, I've seen this one. I actually own this one. Do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a weird movie. So basically, like a girl like who works in like as a haircutting place gets um a job modeling and sort of half gets tricked into doing some nude shots. So then I guess because in Australia in the 70s, you could just have nudity in ads and magazines. They make a big deal of pointing out that in the magazine, she's going to be naked. But when they take the same picture and put it up on a billboard, they have to like edit a bikini onto her because you can't have nudity on billboards, but you can in magazines. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's how it's portrayed in this movie. And the idea is that she's like being stalked and it's eventually going to lead to 
a violent outcome. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of this, mostly because it's all like drama stuff about her dealing with like the consequences of like becoming famous and literally getting into like her negotiating the money for the contracts and stuff and all of the like all of the scary like creepy stocky stuff just happens like right at the very end of the movie and it just wasn't enough in my opinion there's also like a major flaw in the film which is like one of the potential stalkers is already stalking her before she gets famous and I'm like well that's that seems like a silly error to make that shouldn't be happening but it's yeah I don't know it wasn't a bad like a poorly made film and everything in it worked I was just hoping for something I was hoping for a lot more stalking like the idea is that there's multiple people stalking her and you're trying to figure out who it is that could become violent and stuff but none of that really plays in until the very end of the film so what what do you think about it Brian you've you've seen it uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't, I remember thinking it was just okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think, I think you, you probably feel about it the same way I did where it's like, yeah, it's, it's all right. They made a movie and everything in it works, but. I did like that one of the alternate titles is the day after Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, really? It's really not fair to use that title. No. Like, I get that they're going to try to tie it in because it is like, would have been coming out just uh, shortly after Halloween. I get that they want to jump on that, but it's not like even remotely close to a similar film. No. It's like, you know. But I mean, it was all right. If you're huge into exploitation, you might uh, might enjoy it. But I wouldn't, you know. I forget who I was talking to. One of the listeners was asking about exploitation films, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't where you want to start. This is more like where you want to get after you're deep into it. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Tell them to watch that. Uh, uh, not quite Hollywood documentary, and just take some notes. Yeah, that was a fun documentary. Sure is. Uh, and then I didn't have to change my phone this weekend, so I did get to go see Evil Dead. Right? Yeah. So I got to see. I thought it was really good. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Some of us have to wait for regular screenings. I did. I, I don't. I don't. I won't get into too much detail because I want to wait for no one to see it. I don't want to spoil anything. I thought some of the tributes to the original films were fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the little there was a, a little nod to Die Hard because they are in an apartment building the whole time. I'm like, okay, I can see that. Um, references to a couple other horror things. I was really surprised by the Voltron reference at the end. Um, oh. <laughs> I was like, where the fuck was the Voltron reference? I get what you're talking uh, about. Yeah, we'll 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 discuss it after when we can do it in a yeah, spoilery yeah, sure. way. But um, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the opening scene, so I got really nervous. Like the, like I, it's not a spoiler, Noah. Like the opening scene happens, and then we go like flashback to two days earlier or whatever, and we see everything leading up to it. And I'm the opening scene. I wasn't a huge fan of, so I was a little nervous going into it. But once they get to the main group of people, I'm like, yeah, okay, I can. I, 
it's much better. And even those guys, I didn't love that. I didn't like the performances that much leading up to it until the horror kicks in. Basically from around the time that they're going to find that like a hole opens up in the ground and the one guy's like, I'm going to go check what's down there. And I'm like, the Necronomicon's down there. I know how evil dead films work. <laughs> right. And it's like, but as soon as, as soon as he started climbing down that hole, like everything just got better. And as the horror ramped up, the movie just got better and better. And by the end, just, the way everything was just covered in blood. I was like, yep, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> there was a moment like towards the end of the movie where I'm like, wait a minute, they haven't used a chainsaw yet. There's got to be a chainsaw in this film. How are they going to write that in? And then they do. So I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> that's better. Yeah. But I really like the performance from uh, like the mother who obviously gets turned into a deadite. Like that part's in the trailer. I really liked her performance once she was a deadite. Yeah, she's really good. All of the people once they start, once the horror stuff kicks in, I really like it all. Um, even the little girl, like the the kid, who I was like worried about because it's a kid, but she was actually quite good. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's an Evil Dead movie, and I like that's a franchise that just there isn't a bad one yet, which is nice. Yeah, I'd agree. So. Um, I do think it's weird. Like I got thinking about it. I'm like, is this the trend now? You take like an old horror series and just move it from whatever small town it was set in. And now they're in the big city because it happened with scream and it happened with evil dead. Like just like a couple of weeks apart. I'm like, is there going to be a bunch more of these coming out? Should we be keeping an eye on this? I don't know. Uh, apparently it did super well at the box office. Yeah. Um, Bruce and Sam and Rob Tappert were already like, even before that came out saying like, yeah, I mean, this completely opens it up. Like, you know, sky's the limit for evil dead movies. If we come up with a good story. So more than likely we'll be seeing another one. And I mean, again, non-spoilery, but it, it leaves itself open for plenty of sequels. There's no reason why there couldn't be. Um, see how it goes as long as they do it well I'm happy to go, keep going watching Evil Dead movies I just yeah as long as they don't screw it up they haven't yet so and lord knows the series is coming in a lot of weird directions so <laughs> it is funny how this one like fits the formula of the original and you're like oh you're just gonna you're just gonna do that in in a big city okay I'm down for it. So, sure, why not? But yeah, I don't know. I try and try and figure out what I can say without ruining it for no, because it's something you want to see. But some of the stuff where they've got the mom trapped out in the hallway of the apartment building and they're watching her through the people, and you you can just get to see that like everything kind of fly by and everything that's going on. I I really get into that stuff. So. Yeah, no, if you don't have to drive to Wisconsin this weekend, you should try to make it make it out to see it. Definitely worth it. Parents don't call and change your internet access on you or something. <laughs> I might actually try to go see it tomorrow after work. Well, I mean, that's like one day too late for this show, but sure. Yeah, I mean, you might as well watch it on the weekend from our perspective. <laughs> 
And then I wanted to watch another movie with the Necronomicon in it, but I wanted it to make no sense this time. Like, there's no good reason to have the Necronomicon in it. Mm-hmm. So I watched the movie Castle Freak from 2019. <laughs> I thought you were going to say um, Jason Goes to Hell. No, no. Um, have you have either of you guys seen the, the Castle Freak repake? No. Nope. I was only so, mildly interested because Barbara Crampton is a producer on it. Yeah. It's kind of a weird one because it's the first, like, I don't know, 75% of it, it, it's kind of a remake of Castle Freak. They age up the characters so that you can have the, you can have nudity and stuff. But it's, you know, in, in this case, it's like a boyfriend and girlfriend that have gone to the castle as opposed to a family and all that stuff, right? And then their friends come over to help them, like, liquidate. They're, they're going to basically sell off all the stuff in the castle that she's inherited and go live their life on the money kind of thing. And their friends come over. So you get like the cheesy, like young people partying in a castle scenes and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, like other than aging up these characters, we're following it kind of right. Like creepy old castle. Something's living in the walls. You know, we've seen, we've seen from the beginning of the movie, what's going on. Um, the end it sort of like throws in this like twist of like oh yeah like there's like a connection to this ancient mythology and the necronomicon is there and the one for whatever reason one of these like party stoner kids are all like oh yeah no by the way we call this guy the professor because he understands things and so this like book bounded human flesh that they find there he's like oh yeah i can read the latin in this no problem and it's like he starts revealing all this stuff and there's sort of a I guess it's supposed to be like a tension of like, oh, is this real or isn't it? But I'm like, I don't, I don't really care. I guess is when it comes down to, I'm like, I don't care if it's real or not. So then when the big reveal comes, I'm like, I don't, still don't care. Um, you should, you should have taken all this time and energy you're putting into this and put it into better kills is what I would have done. So it was, it was super weird because where, where this movie is being a remake, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can get along with this. It's fine. Like, it's not my my comment, I guess, would have been it's not better than the original, but it's not a whole lot worse. And it's just a slightly different take with different characters and whatever. It's kind of fun. And then I'd say it's around the time that the castle freak rapes the guy. That's the part where I'm like, no, I think I think you're losing me now. So. I don't know. So when it became when it came down to male on male rape, you're just like, eh. Oh no, don't be ridiculous. Homosexuality is a sin. It is a female castle freak in this one. Oh, okay. I guess I guess that's their version of going woke. I guess is take the castle freak female. Which I like I, <laughs> why does the castle freak have to be a male? I don't, it doesn't have to be. I don't know. It's just why make the change. I, I, I didn't know the castle freak was female until that moment. If that helps. That's how much it looks like a, a female. Um, then all of a sudden, this guy's all tied up. And she comes in the room and kills the girl he's about to have sex with and climbs on top of him. And I'm just like, I don't know if I need to be watching this. This is this is not my thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not something I'd necessarily recommend, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Is that anything? <laughs> That's something. Put it on the put it on the poster. Doug, yeah. midnight drive in. 
Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So it's just. Yeah, I, just, I wish there had been a less complicated plot and better kills. But then if I want that, I guess I could just go watch the first one. It does have some like fun like nods to the first one, like the instead of like the dad going off and finding a prostitute, it's the boyfriend sneaks a drug dealer into the house, and then that's who gets killed by the castle freak. Fun little things like that that if you're a fan of the original, it'd be like, oh I see what you're doing, and, like kind of corresponds. Just a little different take. So that's the other thing in this, the uh the whole thing is that like the boyfriend was drunk driving and got an accident. That's what causes the main character to be blind. But for some reason, when she inherits a castle, she still brings him with her. I'm like he, she, he's still going to get to profit off of her new castle. And I'm like, I don't know if that, that doesn't seem right. That part seems unfair. But yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's all I really watched. So like, one good movie that I can't talk about too much because Noah hasn't seen it, and three, meh, I don't know, kind of movies. So, no big recommends for me this week. Uh, well, I saw a couple things. Uh, number one, a theater close to me showing UHF on the big screen. So, you bet your ass I jumped in the car and drove to watch it. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, it's UHF. It's amazing. I don't need to to recount any more since we did a whole show on this movie. Uh, if you, but if you want to talk about it, we can. It's fine. <laughs> All the skits played super well uh, with the live crowd, which I would assume people who are showing up to watch this aren't just like, hey, what's this movie? And just walked in. But um, actually was with a couple friends of mine who told me afterwards, oh, yeah, I've never seen the whole thing, like, from start to finish. Just seen oh, really? bits and pieces. And I was like, what? One friend told me, he's like, man, this this movie was a lot better put together than I thought it was going to be. And I was just like, who am I friends with? I guess I could understand the idea of assuming that it was just a bunch of individual skits. Hmm. But... I said yeah. I wanted a Rolex. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it played really well. I, asked, I made sure to ask them, you know, when they told me, and they're like, oh, I thought it was great. It was hilarious. I'm like, yeah. Could have been watching this for decades now. Instead, you uh, waited. Don't know why. But Diamond Dallas Page keeps posting the uh, clip from the show Al TV of when Macho Man Randy Savage breaks in on Al's birthday and attacks him and he wrestles Harvey the Wonder Hamster. It's pretty great. <laughs> the funny it's, thing is that just that all makes sense to me and I've never seen it. Oh, I've never seen that, but it I didn't question it at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why you're, like, you're like, yeah, all that tracks. That makes sense. Kind of miss Al, Al TV was a really funny thing. I wish they were, there was more episodes of it. I just missed it. I was just a little bit too old for it. I was in that that zone where I'm like, I'm not watching TV shows for babies. 
And now I would totally watch it. I think it might uh, be on TV if you're looking for it. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, so that was magnificent. Had a great time. Sort of the plotting as soon as the movie was over. The rest of the audience started as well. I was like, yeah, yeah, y'all better be clapping because this is a masterpiece. Uh, let's see. I followed that up. A podcast I listened to called Craven Craven, which is them just covering Wes Craven movies. Mm-hmm. And they're getting towards the the end of their run because, you know, unfortunately he passed away. So it's a very finite number of movies they can uh, cover. Uh, and I realized this movie was the only horror movie of Wes Craven's I hadn't watched yet. Like, I'll probably never watch Music of the Heart because you don't need to. Like, I, I can just look at that movie poster and be like, oh, okay, I know what this is. <laughs> um, so I checked out 2010's My Soul to Take. Okay. Uh... Completely missed it in theaters, had not heard good things, so I just never got around to it. Uh, so first time watch, um, a serial killer dies, and the night he dies, like seven new babies are born. And so later on, like when they're all like 16, uh, the... Uh, um, the thought is that the serial killer is back and that he may be killing each one of these kids off to regain parts of his soul or something. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert, this movie is not good. Yeah. I only saw it once, like when it was new. So I didn't uh-huh. want to say anything when you brought it up. But yeah. I, I remember it just, I remember it just not working. Oh, And then uh, it pained me because then I looked. I'm like, well, maybe this is one of those things that he's just like, look, I need to do something. And so he took a job. But then I realized he wrote it, too, which means he was this was he was into this idea. And maybe generally is an idea. Maybe it were like it's an interesting idea, but this movie just did not work whatsoever. I remember it feeling very like paint by numbers. And you're just like, oh, like. It is very paint by numbers. And then the podcast, when I listened to their episode on it, I realized that I'm like, they brought up like, oh, it's an old guy trying to write teenager dialogue, which normally, you know, Wes Craven's was good at that in the 80s. But yeah, 2010. Uh, Might be part of the issue. Yeah, did not did not work whatsoever. There's a lot of plot problems, like one character you don't even realize is related to another character um, until like halfway through the movie. You find out that the, our main character is his sister is the high school bully and you've seen them both separately. There's never once like ever been brought up that they're related it's well, just teenagers like, who are related don't ever run into each other so yeah but it's just like it was almost like this was supposed to be some reveal and i'm like this isn't a reveal like there was no like shocking twists it's just suddenly they're in the same house together 
and be like, yeah, whatever. You're a stupid sister. Like that's the, the extent of the dialogue. And I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? Like, yeah, this movie movie's not good. That pains me because I'm a big fan of Wes Craven. And, uh, yeah, that was, that's why, that's why I've never liked watched it again. Is because there was a couple yeah. of misses in that era. And I'm just like, I don't want to go back to them because I don't, yeah. I don't want to be sad about it. But it's, there's just so many good Wes Craven movies. We just watch. Yeah. It's so actually um, a, a theater I'm looking at going to is, um, they're doing like a werewolf day where they show all sorts of werewolf movies. And I was like, Oh, that'd be fun to let go. And then the last one they're showing is like cursed. And I'm like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> just, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe if you go is like, uh, Hey, we're all going to kind of make fun of this movie. Might be fun, but yeah. I don't know if I could, uh, I could try to seriously watch that movie again. I've only seen it the one time in theaters and I was like, oof. This is terrible. Yeah. And then you hear all the backstage stuff and you're just like, oh man, what a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, basically I, I that was my experience with that film was just seeing it once being like, nope. <laughs> yeah. That's so many good ingredients going into it though. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for Craven Craven, they got one more like movie left to review, and it's Scream Four. See, Scream Four, I think is surprisingly good, though. So it'll be fun. It's been—I haven't seen it since theaters. I would like to rewatch it at some point, um, because at the time, I just remember thinking, like, oh, it's it's a Scream movie. Like it sort of hits all those buttons, but didn't feel like it was groundbreaking, but now I'm wondering if I went back, if I would like it more, probably of all of the scream movies, it is the most fourth. Okay. That's actually, that's a really deep analysis and it's uh, not inaccurate in any way. I like for me, like I'd probably prefer four or five and six to two and three on rewatch. I don't believe it's that. I generally speaking, don't compare anything to originals because it's completely not fair. Uh, I'm a big fan of two. I can't stand three. Three is the the low point of the series. I don't think there's much debate about that. Yeah. Uh, So unfortunately, I have now seen all of Wes Craven's horror output and... uh, was very bummed i watched this movie and ruined ruined it well you're you're in luck ai is getting to the point now where an ai could probably generate entirely new west craven movie (laughs) don't say such things uh the last thing i've watched was i finally went and saw john wick chapter four some more Keanu action goodness. Um, I, uh, uh, again, it's a John Wick movie. I enjoyed it. Lots of action, lots of uh, shooty, shooty stuff. Um, Donnie Yen's in it. He's pretty good. Um, I did, <laughs> I did hear a podcast say, which I totally agree with. That John Wick is turning into like the Fast and the Furious movies, and not because like it involves like racing or you know whatever bullshit. 
But it's like the first movie was like, oh, these guys kill his puppy and he gets super pissed off and wants to kill them all. And now we're on the fourth movie and it's like, oh, this is so far away from that, that it's like, doesn't even like that plot point doesn't even register in this, in this movie series anymore. Um, it seems like parts two and three became really more concerned with world building and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I do think the world of John Wick is interesting. It's sort of the weird assassin society and stuff they have all set up. Um, but it is kind of just far away from that sort of simple plot point of like, yeah, my wife died. She left me this dog so I wouldn't be alone. You killed that dog. Now I'm going to fuck up your entire organization because of it. That's kind of an interesting twist on it. Now, you know, we're so far away from that, that it's just kind of just not even. I mean, I felt like that with the second movie. That's why I haven't seen the third one yet. I was like, man. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I still enjoyed the fourth movie. But it's just weird to think about that. It's like, oh yeah, all this whole, all four movies were started over because somebody killed his dog. I almost like forgot. So, um, but yeah, still good. Lots of fun action scenes. Some interesting plot points. Um, Bill Skarsgård is the uh, big bad guy in this one. He's kind of fun. Which which one of the scars guard is that? <laughs> uh, Pennywise. There's too many scars guards now. I never thought I would <laughs> say that. But that's the thing that's happening. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, so what are we watching next week, Noah? Clancy Brown Week. Highlander. Pet Cemetery Two. What's really fucked up? I was glancing through the list while Doug was talking because I don't listen to him when he talks. And you saw Highlander and you were like, Noah's going to pay. And I saw a Clancy Brown double feature and I'm like, that's what Noah's going to (laughs) pay. I I assume that that was placed on the list as bait for me. (laughs) That that there's some movie in that list that uh, Doug really, really doesn't want to watch. And he was like, what can I put on this list that Noah would instantly? (laughs) Good old Clancy Brown. Should be interesting. Pet Cemetery 2 is going to be a very strange watch. It's such a weird combination of movies. Uh, just because I really like the first Pet Cemetery, and I feel like Pet Cemetery Two goes in the complete opposite direction of that. And uh, I don't remember it being good, but maybe it's time for a reevaluation. We'll see. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, we'll see. No, kind of. I remember it as a weird dinner scene. I remember Red Furlong. Hmm. Uh, is there there's like i feel like there's like a big like big kind of dog that comes back yeah so like a pure white like uh fluffy husky type of dog yeah yeah i just remember clancy brown getting to yuck it up because he's undead so 
Yeah, the the dinner scene you're talking about involves uh, slashed throat and mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I remember the slashed throat. I only remember the mashed potatoes. How weird is that? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see how it goes. And Highlander. Kurgan. You know, I've never seen Highlander, right? Your first time watch for me. Interesting. <laughs> one of the... Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. A random podcast I listen to, somehow they end up talking about... Uh, why did my brain just blank? Christopher Lambert, for some reason. And somebody on that podcast does this terrible impression of him. <laughs> and that's all I can hear now is him going... There can be only one. <laughs> Where are you from? Nobody knows. <laughs> it is weird that he was chosen to be Raiden in Mortal Kombat, right? I still, has anyone ever figured out what his accent is? What the fuck accent is that? I don't know. No one knows. We looked it up once and he's from like somewhere very normal where you shouldn't have an accent. That's what I'm saying. That country does not exist. He's he's not allowed to have an accent. It's completely made up, but he does it anyway. And I don't know how to stop him. So. Well, Christopher Lambert, are we doing Christopher Lambert month? I figure I feel like we should. No, no, no. Well, let's spread our, let's spread our Christopher there, Lambert there, out. I was getting ready to say, are there enough Christopher Lambert movies to do an entire month? Yeah. Just because it's just because they're not popular doesn't mean he's not constantly just, just making movies. Don't don't fucking do this to us. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, all right, so begins May, Christopher Lamb May. <laughs> Lambert. <laughs> all right. You guys would, wouldn't you? Nah, it's not worth it. <laughs> We've already done Mortal Kombat. That's one of his better ones. I mean, it was just going to end up being like the first like four Highlander movies. It's all it's just all this. I'm trying to remember Fortress. Like, <laughs> well, I've seen that for sure. I don't know what it's about or anything. I think it's a super prison movie, right? Am I crazy? Maybe not. It feels like something. Don't they have to fight the other prisoners, but not all the prisoners are human? Does any of that make sense? I don't know. I could be getting it mixed up with something else, too. He was in a Beowulf movie, right? (laughs) He's still making movies, by the way. Uh, His IMDb has 10 upcoming movies that he's been in. Jesus Ten? Christ. In 2001, he was in a movie called Druids, and the cover art for it is the most majestic thing I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Oh, wow. Apparently, they got him to do the voice of Raiden for Mortal Kombat 11. What? Sure he's... People expect him to be in Mortal Kombat shit now, though. Do they? No. I was lying <laughs> when I said that. <laughs> Uh, good lord. You guys, you get, you get to see this. Look at, look at that. Look at that mustache. <laughs> Shut up. What is that? Shut up. That is, 
That is Christopher Lambert in Druids. <laughs> that, that is clearly him. Like, like that is obviously meant to be like a ripoff of those Lord of the Rings movies, but I mean Max von Sydow's in it. It can't be terrible, right? Yeah, it can. We're not oh, watching man. it. Get your head under your ass. We're not watching it. It's too, it's too late. That's going on the list. I just got to figure out if I can find that movie. Uh, oh, I forgot he was in Southland Tales. Stop it. Well, I think. <laughs> oh, Southland Tales. Uh, oh, he was in Loaded Weapon 1. Well, that's something we can get behind. <laughs> parody week. Uh, oh, I forgot he was in Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Had to play Tarzan once. Yo, they made Tarzan into a boring movie, and that's the one he got to play Tarzan in. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even remember it. I, I'll, I don't, I think, I, what year was that? 84. 84 yeah so i'm trying to remember when i saw it because i wouldn't have been 84 but it was still like i think too young to appreciate it and there's like lots of scenes of them like where they brought him back to civilization and he doesn't fit in and stuff and i'm i was just Uh not into it at all christopher lambert was apparently in a french children's movie called hercule it sherlock and it's just a bunch of crazy looking dogs in a family. Like it's shitty French Beethoven. <laughs> shitty French Beethoven. That should be a name of a movie. Yeah, that should be what it's called. If it was called that, I'd be more interested in um, seeing it. Maybe I'm going to have to, I think I might have to do a Lambert deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you let us know how that goes. Good lord, Shar's Shar's gonna be so mad at you this week. His his entire filmography is a weird combination of just like batshit B action movies and then weird foreign romance movies. Was <laughs> he like a like a sex symbol in some weird European country? I'm is that sure. what I have to take from that? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.